Hey guys, this is Rocky, and you're listening to the God Loves Miami podcast. I want to welcome you to today's episode, and I also want to encourage you to follow us on social media at God Loves Miami on Instagram and Facebook so that you can find out all that we are about and what God is calling us to do in our city. And now here's Pastor Mark. I just want to celebrate all the dads. So if you're a dad here today, if you could stand up, dads, come on, stand up, dads. Let's give it up for all the dads. Yeah. These are our heroes. Right? If your dad's your hero, clap a little louder. Come on. Woo! Amen. Happy Father's Day, guys. You can be seated once again. See, today we're going to talk about how God wants to use us, his people, to be heroes in this world, to inspire the people that we live with, the people that we work with, the people that we live around. And so what makes a hero? You see, have you guys ever considered that each and every one of us have been called by God to be heroes, to help people, to invest in people? And that's what we're going to talk about today in a message that I've titled, The Makings of a Hero. And we're going to look at four questions. What makes a hero? We're going to look at why do we need heroes in our lives? Have you guys ever been in a situation when you're like, man, I just need a hero. I wish Superman was real. You know, I wish someone could just come and rescue me from this mess. And the third thing is how do we become a hero? And lastly, how God wants to use you and me to be heroes every single day. In a recent Gallup poll, this is like It shocked me. 51% of kids ages 13 through 17 couldn't name a single adult in their life that they consider a hero. And the common response was this. I don't know any adult that I'd like to model my life after. That is tragic. And so today my goal is to change that. My goal is when we walk out of here that everyone that sees us, everyone that looks at us say, you know what, I want to be like him. I want to be like her. See, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you're willing to give your life to God and allow God and live by God's principles, allow God to mold you, you can be a hero in this world. See, some of my heroes are the people that show up every single Sunday at 7 o'clock in the morning when some of us are hitting the snooze button. They're already here to set up and, and to roll these tarps and to set up all these lights. You know, my heroes are the ones that the last ones that leave. I mean, they allow us to stand here and worship and sing and hear music. And so let's give it up for those heroes here at Love Unlimited. See, we all need heroes. We all need models. We all need mentors in our lives. And why is that? It's because the heroes in our lives, the people that we look up to, they shape us. They shape our character. They inspire us to be more like them. They challenge us to grow. When we see someone that we admire and and they're a good person, they're an inspirational person, it inspires us to be like them, to change certain things in our life. David said this, the godly people in the land are the true heroes, and I take pleasure in them. That's what God is saying of us. Those are the ones that we should be looking up to. You see, but the sad thing is that when we think of heroes, Many times it's like celebrities and athletes. You know, I remember 
um, when I was a teenager, you could always tell who people looked up to. You could always tell what people were into. And it's the same thing today by the way that people look. Because the people that we look up to, the heroes that we have in life, you know what ends up happening? We start looking like them. You know, do you remember being in high school, you could always tell what kind of music people listened to by, like, where they wore their pants, right? So if they had, like, tight skinny jeans, you knew they were into rock. And if they had baggy pants and their underwears were showing, right, um, you knew that they were into hip-hop. And it's not being stereotypical. It's just, like, if that's what you listen to and that's what the people that are singing the songs that you like, you start looking like them. And it's the same thing. You know, you could always tell who's inspiring who by the way that we begin to act and the way that we begin to talk. I mean, you know, our friend David Liz in the back, he talks a little bit like Rocky Balboa because, you know, hey, and, and when I call him on the phone, I'm like, hey, David, uh, how, how you doing, bro? Hey, Mark, how you doing? You know, so, so after church, go talk to David. David loved Sylvester Stallone so much, and he's a filmmaker now, and if you talk to him in, in, in a Rocky voice, I mean, you'll make his day. Because Rocky, Sylvester Stallone, was one of his inspirations growing up. You see, heroes make a big difference. Celebrities don't. Athletes don't. You see, celebrities, all that they think about is their image and their fame. And, and heroes are all about character and service. Celebrities are famous for what they sacrifice for themselves. And heroes are famous for sacrificing for others. Celebrities want everyone to serve them, right? When they show up, they don't want to walk through the same door that all of us walk through. They want, like, the VIP treatment. But heroes focus on serving others. And sadly, we talk to our kids and we talk to, to the youth of today. We talk to the masses today. And, and you ask about, oh, my hero is this athlete or my hero is this person, this famous actor, this famous actress, this celebrity. And we're putting all of our you know, aspirations on, man, look at everything that he's achieved and she's achieved. When that person lives for themselves, and yeah, maybe there are some that do good things, but a lot of the ones that have charities and stuff is because they don't want to pay taxes, you know, or they want people to say, look how good he is. I remember I went on a mission trip a couple years ago to Haiti, and I went to the biggest warehouse of food, bigger than commercial warehouses of food. It was, it was this mission organization, and mission organization paid for me to go, paid for the hotel, paid for the, all the travel expenses. And, I'm, and, and when I got there, I talked to the director of the, of, the, of the location there, and I said, how come it has the name of another organization on the outside? And he's like, it's incredible what God can do when you don't care who gets the glory. And so that mission, that organization out there is just like this one guy here that was feeding kids out of his house. But everybody loved him. And so we didn't even put our name on the building as long as we could love and serve the children in Haiti. And so these guys have the biggest warehouse. So imagine a lot of times we do things and, and we want to make sure that, hey, remember, make sure my name's on the list. You know, or someone's thanking people. I mean, like, man, I can't believe he forgot to mention me. You see, our culture has too many celebrities and not enough heroes. And today the truth is with the internet and YouTube, anyone can be a celebrity. Anyone can get their line and target. I mean, isn't it crazy? Even like Justin Bieber, one of the biggest pop stars today, he got found on YouTube. What does that mean? It's like it's real easy at the end of the day to be 
a celebrity, to be someone that the world looks up to, but I think it's a little bit harder to be someone that leaves a legacy. Someone that when, when your children look back at you, they say, man, this was a man and a woman that made a difference, that lived for others and lived for God. And so there's three qualities found in all heroes. The first one is that real heroes stand alone for what's right. They go against the crowd. They resist the majority. They're willing to swim upstream and go against the flow. That's what a real hero does. They're never looking to see how they can receive the glory, but how they can allow someone else and lift someone else and give someone else credit. You see, you never find a real hero doing what everyone else is doing. In 2 Samuel 23, it's on the screens. it says, these are the three most heroic men in David's army. We have Josheb, we have Eliezer, the son of Dodo, okay? We have Shammah, and once during an attack, when all Shammah's men deserted him, he stood alone at the center of a field and beat back the Philistines, and God gave him a great victory. See, if anyone has an excuse not to be a hero, it's Eliezer, because his dad was a Dodo, all right? Maybe your dad was a Dodo, there's no excuse. Never blame your parents for your mistakes and the decisions that you made for your life. All right, it's our choice, it's your choice. But I love at the end where it says that Shammah's men deserted him, but he stood alone. He stood alone for what was right, he stood alone for what God was calling him to do. And what happened at the end when all the Philistines were attacking him? Bigger armies, stronger men, stronger armor. God gave him the victory. You want the victory in your life? Stand for God, regardless of who is standing next to you or who is not standing next to you. You see, it's doubtful that any of us are going to fight a war this week. I doubt it, maybe, you know. We're not going to fight a physical war. We're not going to pull our guns out, our bow and arrow, or our slingshots or whatever. But we're going to face war. We're going to face ethical wars. We're going to face moral wars. We're going to have personal battles. We're going to have situations, things that happen in our home. And are we going to stand alone for what's right? Are we going to stand alone for what God is calling us to do, what's ethical? Or are we going to give in and just go with the flow because it's easier to do that? Exodus 23 says, do not follow the crowd in doing what's wrong. See, every single week, all of us, every single person in this room, because no one here is a hermit. No one here is a monk living by themselves. We're living amongst people every single day. We have the opportunity to show our character and show our faith and stand up for God. But it is difficult. You see, when everyone else at work is, is stealing from the company or they're fudging on their hours, are we going to stand up for what God's calling us to do? You know? Are we going to do what God, when we know what God wants us to do? Young people. Your friends doing drugs, drinking, sleeping around, cheating, gossiping. I mean, I guess it's not just young people. It's all of us. It's difficult sometimes to stand for what's right. But the Bible says that if you want to be a hero, you stand alone. Do not allow peer pressure to pull you down and rob you from the victory that God wants to give you. Isaiah 5 says this, speaking of drinking and getting drunk. Destruction is certain for those who are heroes when it comes to drinking, who boast about all the liquor they can hold. I mean, I remember in high school saying, man, you know, I could drink like two bottles of this, which everyone knows it's a lie, but people brag about that stuff. Well, Isaiah says, 
that destruction comes to those who are the heroes of that. You see, we try to mask sometimes the pain that we have or who we really are by certain things and certain vices that we get involved in. See, the fact is that each and every one of us have a deep desire to fit in. I want to fit in. Everybody wants to fit in. We all want to be liked. We all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. And that's why Satan's preferred tool to attack us and to pull us down is peer pressure. We all want to fit in. Who here does not want to be loved? I mean, no one's going to raise their hand. We all want to be loved. We all want to walk into a place and, and be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad that Mark is here. I mean, it feels good. And that's why Satan will attack us with peer pressure. We get accepted, and then the people around us will push us down. Let me tell you something. When I was a youth pastor, I would meet with kids, made dumb decisions, and I'm like, man, why'd you do that? No, because my friends, and, you know, I love these guys. They're so good. I'm like, where were your friends when you got busted? Weren't they the ones that told on you? Weren't they the ones that turned you in? Where are your friends when, you know, the cops came? Or, oh, no, they, they have to, like, you know, run for themselves, every man for themselves. I'm like, so then they're really not your friends. The Bible says that greater love has no one than he that lays his life down for a friend. That's what a real friend is. Someone who sticks up for you. Someone who doesn't leave. And so I think that all the young people here today, you guys have the perfect opportunity to reset your life. School starting in two or three months. And say, you know what, I'm not, I'm, when I go back to school, I'm not going to hang out with those people. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to allow them to drag me down. Next year is going to be the best year of my life, of my education because you know what, when, when you're struggling in college or you're struggling to get a job, your dumb friends, they're not going to be there. You'll be all by yourself with your poor decisions. And so let's, let's make a stand today. You know, do it for your dad. And, 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 and do not allow the world and the pressures of the world to take you down. And business people and adults, same thing goes for us. It doesn't matter if we have the approval of men, if our family doesn't approve of us, if God doesn't approve of the decisions that we're making. What good is it? And you know what? Stand alone and God will give you the victory at the end. Maybe it's going to be harder. Yeah, it's harder to do the right thing. It's harder to stand for what's right. But at the end, you're going to have an even greater victory. All right, suppose you're in a conversation where you stand for what's truth when you hear what people are saying. When people maybe they're making fun of another Christian at your job. No one knows that you're a Christian. Or you say, you know what? That's not true. Don't say that. Are we going to stand up for that? You see, we live in a world where, where there's no, no absolutes. You know, we, li we live in a world where there's no moral standard. Everything's acceptable. We have to accept everyone and we have to agree with everyone. And, and the funny thing is that we agree with everything and everyone except the truth. And so if you want to stand for what's truth, if you want to stand for real love and real happiness and true joy, and you just want to stand up for yourself, not even imposing your faith on someone else, but say, you know what, I'm a Christian, then it's not okay to be a Christian. And so I want to challenge all of us, do not be ashamed of who you are and who saved you. God will give us the victory. And you know what? One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is John 16, In this world, you're going to have trouble. Jesus knew it. it and he experienced it. But he said, be brave, take heart because I have overcome the world. So yeah, when we decide to follow God and live for God, it is going to be difficult sometimes. But God will give us the victory. In Romans 12, 2, it says... Do not mold your behavior on the contemporary world, but let the renewing of your mind transform you so that you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and mature. See, the world tries to squeeze us in to their mold. This is what's acceptable. This is who you want to be. This is what success 
looks like in their opinion. And so the world tries to squeeze us in, and God is saying, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Do not conform to what the culture wants you to be. Psalm 40 says, blessed are you who give yourselves over to God, turn your backs on the world's sure thing, and ignore what the world worships. You're blessed. You want real blessings? Not to be acknowledged by some people who are going to forget about you as soon as you walk out of the room, but blessed by God, the creator of the universe, the only one that could truly give you true blessings. Then obey him. Turn your life over to him. Turn your decisions over to him. This week, um, my friend Alex and I, we had the privilege of meeting a man that at one point here in Miami was the richest Cuban man in exile. This guy, multi-multi-millionaire, and overnight lost everything. He was talking to us about his garage, and now he had elevators in, garage, in his garage because he had a three-car garage, but he owned nine cars. And he wanted to park all nine of his cars in his mansion in Key Biscayne on the ocean, and he's talking about all these elaborate things now. And the guy lost it all overnight. Money and fame and fortune and approval all goes away immediately. But what does not go away is God and his word. The Bible says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word and who he is shall never, ever pass away. Let's think about some of the heroes. When I think about heroes, I mean, I look at the Bible. Think about Abraham who, stand, who stood alone against an immoral culture in Sodom. I mean, everyone was going crazy at Abraham. He stood alone, and it wasn't easy, and he honored God. Noah, standing alone in obedience, God told this guy to build a boat in the middle of the desert and told him it was going to rain, and it had never rained before. And everybody was mocking him and making fun of him and making fun of his family. But in the end, we're here because this man obeyed God and trusted God, even though it was super unpopular. Moses standing alone against the challenges of Pharaoh. I remember getting mad as a kid watching the Moses movie. Was I the only one? And Moses turns his, his staff into a snake, and now the magicians come, and, and now there, there's three other snakes, and they're looking at Moses' snake. I mean, oh, my gosh. Our faith, his faith was challenged. I, I imagine if he would have just grabbed the, his snake and ran out of the room, the children of Israel would have probably still been captive, but he believed in God. And what happened with his snake? His snake ate the other three snakes. See, sometimes in our life, we could be honoring God, and, and then we look at people that don't honor God, and we see the way they're living, and sometimes we may think, man, why does it look like his life is better than mine? We're living kind of the same, and he seems even a little bit happier than me, goes on more vacations than I do, and I'm honoring God, I'm doing everything right, everything I need to do, and why is this person prospering? I'm not prospering. You know what? What God has given you, it will last, and what they have will not last. Think about that. It's going to go right through their fingers. But what God's given you, yeah, it's going to be a little bit harder. And maybe it's not going to shine as bright, but you will have whatever it is that God gives you forever. Because if God gave it to you, God will protect it. God is looking for heroes that he can use. Heroes that are willing to stand for what is right in the face of criticism and in the face of rejection. The second thing that makes a real hero, real heroes make sacrifices for others. Real heroes lay down their life for others. See, many people will sacrifice for themselves. We see this all the time. People sacrifice for themselves. They're, they're overachievers, high achievers. 
but they do it all for self-centered reasons. Entrepreneurs sacrifice to get wealthy. Actors sacrifice to become famous. Have you ever seen these actors who like starve themselves so they can weigh like 50 pounds so that they can be this actor in this movie? It's like crazier. Or the guys that are like the superheroes in some of the Avengers movies, the crazy diets and work routines that they're into. And these guys don't sleep. And, you know, they're away from their family for, for months at a time just to achieve success for them at whatever the price. See, athletes will, will sacrifice because they want to be the best I got so sad when I was watching the NBA Finals and, and KD ruptured his Achilles. He was injured. He shouldn't have been playing, but he sacrificed his body so that his team could win, so that maybe he could get that winning shot and everybody could be like, KD, also because, you know, he's going to become a free agent, so that means he's going to be worth a little more money. And the poor guy tore his Achilles like early on in the game. See, people that play sports, they're not heroes for what they do on the court, it's for what they do off the court. That's who they really are, what they do when they're not on the court. And a lot of them, like I said, do a lot of good stuff. And some of them, they disappoint us at times. A hero puts the needs of others ahead of themselves, sometimes even strangers. Sometimes even strangers that can do nothing for you. I mean, for the last three Two or three days, we were in Overtown, like Leilani and Amanda talked to you guys about it. People took time off of work, away from their vacation days, gave money. We worked under conditions very similar to what we're seeing outside of these windows, pouring rain. Most of us won't go to the car to get something if it's raining or get out of our car to get groceries. And here we were soaking wet, like carrying dirt and trees and building stuff, painting and we did it for people that we haven't even met. No benefit personally to us, financially. Most of those kids will never come to our church. Sometimes churches gauge what type of outreach they're going to do because how many butts is it going to put in the seats? We'll probably get zero butts in our seats for what we did. But you know what? Those children and that community in Overtown, they're important to God. And if they're important to God, they got to be important to us. And so that's why we were there. That's why we sacrifice what we sacrifice. And that's why a lot of you have sacrificed so many times in some of the other outreaches. Or some of you are getting ready to come to the next one. But man, a real hero sacrifices sometimes for even strangers. I remember when I was a kid, I loved Superman and I loved Batman. And most of the reason was because of the, you know, the, it wasn't cartoons. I don't even know what you call it, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, we'd watch these uh, reruns of old Superman uh, sitcoms and Batman sitcoms. And, and then I remember I got older and then like the new Batman uh, came out and it was Michael Keaton. And I'm like, oh, I love this Batman. He's so cool. And when he took his mask off, I'm like, oh, my God, it's Beetlejuice. <laughs> Beetlejuice is Batman, you know. And I was so let down, you know. It's like Beetlejuice can't be Batman, you know. <laughs> And that happens to us sometimes with people we look up to. When they take their mask off, we see who they really are. Matthew 20, 26 says, whoever wants to be great must be a servant. You want to be great? You want to be one of those people that people talk about for the rest of history? Then serve. Offer your life up. Offer your time, even when it's inconvenient. You see, God values the opposite of what the world values. It's not how many people can serve me. You see, the world tells us, think about yourself. Do what's good for you. Love yourself. 
You know, you'll hear guys talking in restaurants or in gyms and stuff, man. And he's like, I'm so sick and tired of my wife or my boss or my job. You got to do what's good for you. How many times have we heard that? How many times have people told us that? You got to do what, what makes you happy. You got to do what you love. You know, you matter. You know, take time for yourself. Forget about your kids and your wife. You know, forget about whatever. Just, just do what you want, what you like. Do what you love. That's right. Do what makes you feel good. You see, a few years ago, um, I was talking to this guy and his wife, and it was hilarious. It was like a funny conversation, and she's like telling on him. And I, I love when, when people tell on each other, and it's just a funny thing. And, and so the wife is telling me, can you believe this guy? He got home the other day. He got home the other day from church, and he was complaining that he's been serving for years, and he feels used, and, and, and I'm like, so what? Isn't that what you pray every single day? It's part of your prayer. Every single morning, God, I want you to use me. And now you get home from church and you feel used. God's answering your prayer. And you know what? What happens sometimes with us, and man, I, I love everyone that serves here, and I always try to encourage, and, and I am super grateful but never, ever, regardless of where you go to church or what organization you're volunteering from, you will fail and be completely disappointed with life if you're doing it for someone to recognize you. If you're doing it for someone to go, hey, man, good job, boy." But if you show up and say, man, I'm here to serve God. I'm doing it for an audience of one, and he's the only one that matters. I'll tell you, you will live an incredible, happy, satisfied life. And hey, maybe people will notice and maybe people won't. You know what I love, a promise in the Bible is like if you get honor here on earth, that you're not going to get honor here in heaven. And so every time someone tells me I do a good job, I'm like, gosh, you know, that's one less thing that God's going to pat me on the back for when I get to heaven. And I don't think it's exactly like that. That's probably my flesh interpreting it. But man, let's, let's live for God. Let's not live for man. I can pro if I can promise you anything is that Jesus loves you and Mark is going to fail you one day. All right, those are two absolute promises that you can take to the bank today after church. God will never fail you, but I will fail you one day and I'll try very hard not to. You see, um, let's think about what we can do in our life every single day to honor God, serve God, and serve our neighbor. Um, Maybe God's calling you today. What way you can serve is tell people about him. Think about this. Four days ago, there's this young man that died a tragic death in the Bronx. He ran into a burning building and saved the life of a young little girl. And he died. A couple hours later, died in the hospital of burns and of smoke inhalation. A couple days later, they made him the hero of the town. The fire department put his picture in the fire, in, in their, in their um, base or where their firehouse. And this man was made a hero. And I think most of us, yeah, he is a hero. He gave his life for a little girl that was going to die in a burning building. You know what? Somebody died for you too. His name was Jesus. He gave his life for you. He was ridiculed for you. He had no business being here on earth except setting us free instead except giving us victory and he did it for us and so i don't know about you but if someone risks their life for my daughter and dies 
I will live the rest. I will start a foundation for him. I will tell everyone about him. If I have another child, maybe name him after him. Name my grandson after him. Name my dog. Name my house, my business. I'll be like, I have a daughter today because this 19-year-old kid ran up into a building and died for my little Stella. Jesus died for Stella too. And Jesus died for your daughter and your son and for your neighbor. And for, are we telling people about Jesus? That's an incredible way to be a hero because if you talk to people about Jesus and they open their hearts up to Jesus because we told them about Jesus, what does that give them? It gives them eternal life. It gives them a better life here on earth. It gives them all the good stuff that we're talking about here. Now it's part of their life too and now they have hope. And so one of the ways that we can serve and love others is to tell people about Jesus. Hebrews 7 says this, Jesus brought the sacrifice for the sins of all the people once and for all. All on him when he sacrificed himself. And so the ultimate hero is Jesus because he made the ultimate sacrifice. See, but you don't have to be spectacular to be a hero. We don't have to be, you know, we don't have to run into a burning building. Matthew 10, 42 says this, even if you give a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. So what does that mean? That means just be a servant, be open, be willing to be used by God. Serve God and live for an audience of one. The other thing that we can do, Proverbs 31 says this, speak up for people who can't speak up for themselves. Think about that. Who around you does not have a voice to speak up for themselves? Protect their rights of all who are helpless. Speak for them and protect the rights of the poor and the needy. So the first way that we do this, let's become aware. Who are the people and what are the causes that we could stand behind in God's name? You know, could it be children? Children maybe that are too sick to speak up for themselves. The elderly, orphans, people who are mentally disabled, homeless people, single moms. How many single moms do we have in our homes, in our families, in our neighborhoods? That man, they're, they're by themselves. What can we do to serve them and love them and care for them? They have no idea what to do when they got a flat tire, when they got a, a leaky faucet. Some of them do, some of them a lot better than I do. But man, let's love and serve the people who do not have a voice for themselves. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe there's someone that you work with every single day and they're being mistreated. They're not being uh, treated properly by co other coworkers, by people in your job. Stand up for them. Young people, maybe it's a kid in your school that's being picked on. Stand up for them. That's what God wants you to do. Stand up for them. Protect them. So I have a question. Is there any area that you're sacrificing in your life for other people on a regular basis? Is there something you're doing in your life regularly where you are sacrificing for someone else and maybe someone that will never say thank you? There's an easy way, and this is not a plug, but maybe it is. Real easy way on the, your connect card, sign up to serve. Sign up for the outreaches that we're doing. Just pull it out, check it off, and we'll get you connected. We'll get you connected so you can start serving and start stirring up that part of your life. The third thing that makes a real hero is to take risks for God. Take risks for God. Do you know that God put inside all of us a desire to take a risk? I think, oh my God, I'm the safest person you're ever going to be. No, every single one of us in our heart, in our DNA, have the desire to take risks. That's why people like to gamble. 
and have gambling problems. That's why people play games, games of chance. That's why people like sports, because there's a risk that if I play this game, I might lose, right? So that desire, that feeling, you know, maybe you have a child that loves sports and is super competitive. God put that in their heart. See, and maybe you're not using that to honor God. And, and, you know, we see people that love to climb mountains. Whenever I see someone climbing a mountain, I'm like, what's the fun in that? Right? But then you see the pictures they take. Maybe someone just wants to get away from someone who doesn't shut up. And it's like, when I'm on the mountain, she's not talking. You know? Or he is not talking. Right? Um, <laughs> so, we have the ability to live great lives. Dads, we have the ability to leave a legacy for our children that will outlast us. Let's begin to write a story that people can tell. That people can say, man, I want to be like him. I, I, I want to be like her. You see, sometimes we take risks and sometimes we fail. You see, real heroes are not afraid to go out on a limb. They know where their fruit lies. Real heroes will risk failure. Real heroes will risk rejection. They're going to risk criticism in order to go after their dream, in order to fulfill their purpose. And yeah, of course, there's a lot of people that, that take risks for, for dumb things. You know, like people walking a tightrope and, and hey, that's cool and maybe they're going to make money or whatever. But man, if they fall and die, we'd look back and say, man, that was something stupid to die for just for a bunch of people clapping and cheering and to be on the news. You know, and people do risk crazy things like that all the time, holding their breath underwater. I mean, I was watching um, a thing with like Chris Angel and David whatever, David Blaine, and, and these guys holding their breath underwater for half an hour, however long it was. And, and I'm like watching it on TV and I'm like, and Elani's like, breathe, breathe. You're not the one underwater, right? What about risking for God? What are we doing in our life to risk for God? And you know why sometimes we don't want to take risks for God? It's because we want to be comfortable. We don't take risks for God because, man, we're comfortable. And if I do that, it's going to bring uncomfort to my life. If I make that decision, if I start living like this, I'm just like real comfortable with the way that I'm living. And sometimes we're afraid of being hurt. But you know what? Look at every successful person that's taken risks. Pain comes with risks. You see, we're afraid of failure. You see, failure is not fatal. Failure is not final. Your failure is a failure when you give up. That's when it's really a failure. When we give up and we're like, you know what? I'm done. That's failing. I remember when a couple of uh, months ago when we had our Good Friday service, we rented the Manuel Artime Theater. And almost everyone that I talked to, are you sure? I mean, look how big it is. Look how many seats there are there. You know, how, how are we going to have sound? And, 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 and I'm like, I don't know. But I really feel that this is where God wants us to do it. And I would lie to you if I said that I wasn't scared. I was. I was afraid. I was afraid of failing. 
I was afraid of letting you guys down. I was afraid of letting my family down. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to make a fool of Jesus or whatever. Um, and we took that risk and we booked it. And every single step till the last minute, okay, we kept adding stuff. And the guy's like, okay, but it's going to cost you like a hundred bucks more. But like two hours before, someone had just donated a hundred bucks towards the Good Friday thing. And God provided every single thing to the final like 30 minutes. Like Luke ran up and he's like, hey, uh, can we add this? And I'm like, wait. And I'm like on my phone logging in. Yeah, someone just gave. Go, do it. Add it. If we wouldn't have taken that risk, over 100 people that night made decisions for Christ. And so I could have said, you know what, let's have like, you know, a little huddle somewhere, you know, in the cafeteria. And we'll just get together and share communion. But we took a risk. And it was with prayer. It wasn't like, it was just, you know, I was scared. And I remember being upstairs in that old church building, and I didn't want to come down because I didn't know how many people were there, and I was just praying. And I told God what I told you guys right before our meeting. It's like if one person gives their life to Jesus, all of this is worth it. And it was like a hundred times more for God's glory. Amen? Failure is not as bad as the fear of failure. The fear of failure is far worse than failure itself because when we have the fear of failure, we think about it over and over and over again. If you fail, you just fail, and then you try again. One of my favorite verses, another one, I've told you two of my favorite verses today, is Proverbs 24, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. That is a promise of God. What is it? Do it. Have faith. That's what faith is, is risk. Because if it wasn't risky, then you wouldn't need faith. And what does the Bible say? That it is impossible to please God without faith. So if we kind of backtrack a little bit, it's impossible to please God if we don't take risks in his name. Let us begin, let us be known as people who take risks for God. You see... Every part of our story is God's story. Even your failures. Some of you, man, I've made so many mistakes. Use your mistakes to bring glory to God. Your failures, the things you're embarrassed about. Maybe you're afraid to share that part of your story. Man, stand proud. This is who I was and this is who I am now in Jesus' name. And yeah, I made mistakes, but you know what? God forgave me. And if God forgave me of my huge mistakes, your little itsy bitsy tiny mistake, God can forgive you of that too. Let's use every single aspect of our life to bring glory to God, to talk about God, to share about God. And I know that sometimes it's embarrassing, all right? Rosa and Unice, they embarrassed me on the people mover when they were sharing the gospel with me a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these women, they're so brave. I'm like, I'm the pastor. I'm the one that should be doing this. And they're like, hey, you know what? Come to our church. Jesus loves you. And I'm like, I don't know them. You know what I mean? Not really, but I, I fought it. And they took risks, and you know what? People showed up. Thanks to them, our team and, and Easter Sunday here at Sam was full because people like them, people like you took risks and invited people to learn about Jesus, the Jesus that saved our life. A safe life is a wasted life. Say that with me. A safe life is a wasted life. Let's say that again. A safe life is a wasted life. 
Luke 19 says this, risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe and you'll end up holding the bag. I love that. You'll just end up with nothing, holding, holding an empty bag. You're a loser. The loser is not the person who risked and failed. The loser is the person that never took a risk. Because ultimately, the only person that they cared about was themselves and what people thought about them. They weren't worried about giving God the glory. They weren't worried about living a life of faith. Don't consider mistakes that you've done as failures. Use them for the glory of God. You know why? Because you can't consider something a failure if you're living for God. You can't. If you're living a life of faith and you make a mistake and you love God and every decision you make is based on your love for God, I want to remind you, you're human, you're not God, you're a child of God, but you're not God. And the reason why you're not a failure, if you are a follower of Jesus, is because love never fails. And if you're living a life of love, if you're living a life of love towards God, you can never be a failure because God's love never fails. You see, I would have never opened and started this church with you guys if I was scared of failing. Because there was more things that said no than things that said yes. And yet a couple of us got together and four months ago we started this church. And people are going to live forever because of your risk and your faith. At Love Unlimited, we're not afraid to fail. We're afraid to stay still. We're afraid to stop loving. We're afraid of not obeying God. That's the fear that I have, the fear of God, of not doing God's will. But as long as I'm obeying God, as long as I'm taking risks for God, I know that he has my back. My personal hero is the Apostle Paul, favorite all-time hero. This guy is like credited pretty much for writing most of the New Testament, preaching the gospel to the whole Roman Empire, and he was constantly taking risks for the good news, and nothing could stop him. And with this, I'm going to close, but I want you to focus on this, what Paul said. In 2 Corinthians, it says, I worked harder, I've been put in jail more often, I've been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again and again. Five different times. I was given 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned with rocks. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I was drifted in the open sea all night and the whole next day. I traveled many weary miles and often been in great danger from flooded rivers, from robbers, and from my own people. As well as from others, I faced grave dangers from mobs and cities and from death and deserts and in stormy seas, and from men who claim to be brothers in Christ but are not. I've lived with weariness and in pain and sleepless nights. Often I have been hungry and thirsty, and I have gone without food, and often I have shivered with cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. I mean, none of us will ever go through what this guy went through. None of us. So what motivated him to keep taking all these risks? We keep reading. It says, why do you think I keep risking my neck in this dangerous work? 
I look at death in the face practically every day I live. Do you think I'd do this if I wasn't convinced of your resurrection and mine as guaranteed by the resurrection of Jesus? Do you think, was I just trying to act heroic? Not on your life. It is the resurrection that, that undergirds what I do and say and the way that I live. I don't know about you, but that excites me. That there was a man that was willing to risk it all because of your resurrection and my resurrection, thanks to the resurrection of Jesus. That's why he did it. And he did it again, and he did it again, and he did it again. You see, this life is just preparation for eternity. We're just getting ready to live forever and ever with Jesus. First Corinthians keeps going. If we will never live again after we die, then we might as well go and have ourselves a good time. Let us eat, drink, and be merry. What's the difference? For tomorrow we die, and in the end, everything. Do not be fooled by those who say such things. Do not be fooled. Who says that? Just turn on the TV. Go on YouTube in the middle of your favorite YouTube clip. It's going to be interrupted. And someone's going to tell you, just go eat, drink, be merry, enjoy today. You deserve it. Don't waste your time listening to those things and live a life that honors and serves God. And it doesn't mean you got to stand on a stage. It just means whatever stage life gives you, whatever stage God gives you, give him the glory. If it's data entry in some company, enter data in Jesus' name as best as you can and give Jesus the glory. If you're a teacher, teach math, teach science, teach Spanish, whatever it is, for Jesus' name, give Jesus the glory. Love those kids. Pray for those kids. You got 30, 40, 100 kids that come through your class, that is your mission field. If you're a bus driver, wherever it is that you work, whatever it is that you do, that is your platform. God has given it to you. We are missionaries in this world. You're all little pastors. You're all little missionaries wherever you are. God has called us that. He's called us to be ministers of his word wherever we are. And you will probably reach more people than I'll ever reach in my life if you begin to give God the glory wherever he puts you. I'm tired of meeting bored Christians. I am. And that's why I stand here today. If you're Christian and you're bored, it's because you're not risking something. You know, it's you're just playing on the seashore. Yeah, I love the beach. And you're just like, you know, wetting your feet and, and you're playing there, you know, in, in the shore. Man, but if you really love the beach, you're going to dive. You're going to surf. You're going to get on a boat. You're going to swim. You're going to go out there and you're going to submerge yourself in that beautiful ocean. But you can't tell me, grown man, grown woman, that, oh, I love the beach, I love the ocean, and you're just like sitting. You'd walk by and be like, we got to pray for her. We got to pray for him. Something's wrong with them. They love the beach, but they're just wetting their toes. There's a lot of us that love Jesus, but we're just standing on the seashore. Today I want to invite you to dive in head first. And say, God, whatever you got for me, as scary as it could be, I know there's sharks in there, it's deep, there's waves, there's undercurrents, but if God is for me, who can be against me? The gates of hell shall not prevail against me. And so, yeah, I like the beach, I like Jesus, 
and I'm going to dive full force into God's purpose for my life. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a couple things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed waiting for you ready when you are. And secondly, if this podcast has ministered to you and you would like to help us continue reaching people that need to be inspired by the word of God, please consider making a donation at GodLovesMiami.com. That's GodLovesMiami.com. And we'll see you next time on the God Loves Miami podcast.